We got Bishop Sherwood Carthen here. Now there's a reason we brought him here. Because you guys know that uh, we don't like the, the, the softball sermons. You guys know that, right? You guys scared for tonight? Yeah, Bishop brings it. So I hope you guys brought your little Holy Spirit catching mitt because it's going to come in hot, fiery, and ready. So come on, Bishop, come on. Good evening. How y'all doing? Mm-hmm. We in that mode right now, right? I'm filling you out, you filling me out. We're trying to figure out, you know, what's gonna happen and all that good stuff. But I'm glad to be here. Are you? So this is what you do every Thursday night? Pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know what you expect. Um, I'm a I'm a Pentecostal preacher. I'm not a not a psychologist, a sociologist. I'm not your tax person. I only know the gospel, and uh, I'd rather preach than do anything else. So um, we'll uh, we'll try to figure this out, all right? You are the hardest group in the world to preach to. Amen. <laughs> you have so many options. You have you have so many places you could go. So many things you could do. You have your entire life in front of you. Uh, sometimes when we talk and share, it doesn't seem relative. It does not seem relational. It does not seem like it's for you. Sometimes there's a gap between the generations. But one thing always covers that, and that's the Word of God. The Gospel of John says that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, I like the Word of God. And tonight I'm going to talk about it because I have my, I have my grandson here. He's uh, promoting in a couple of weeks to junior high school. And he and I are hanging out uh, while uh, his grandma and his sister are in Los Angeles with the rest of our grandchildren as my son is in Hawaii. So we're kind of split. And this is a man's world right now. And, uh, <laughs> we kind of get to do whatever we want. And uh, one of the things was to come here. Uh, he's, uh, he's my buddy, he's my guy, he's my dude. At five, he wanted to uh, work all of the power tools in our shed. Um, he wanted to uh, just take over and make them happen. Uh, I have an issue. Uh, when I go to Lowe's or Home Depot, uh, I need adult supervision. Uh, because I just like to buy everything they have. And I think I have everything that Black and Decker ever sold. And uh, it, it, it's something for everything. It's for your yard, for everything else. And now he's caught the bug and uh, he's like, can't we just stop there? Dude, 
Where? Can we just go to Lowe's? We, we don't need anything. Let's just look around. Let's just. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, we, we, we like that kind of, they're tools meant to, to do something, to make something happen. Uh, we got yard work on Saturday and we'll bust them all out and, and we'll make it happen. But what amazes me about Christians or people who are pursuing God, God gives us tools and often we don't use them. Uh, we have one tool called prayer and sometimes we use it and Sometimes we don't. Uh, it works for us sometimes, and sometimes we think that it doesn't work. Uh, and so we, we get to this place where it becomes optional rather than mandatory or the requirement or the priority. Jesus even says in Luke chapter number 18, verse number one, he says, man ought to always pray and never lose heart. You ought to never get to the place where you don't think prayer works or you're so discouraged that you shouldn't use it. Another tool is the word of God. And for whatever reasons, we use the word when it's convenient, but we don't use it at all times. I'm guilty myself not living by God's word. I'm guilty of not utilizing it when I should. Tonight, I'd like to talk about how important God's word is. And the reason I talk to you about it because I know that if you get it now, you can make a huge difference, first of all, in your life in the future, but secondly, around, with, around the people around you, the folks in your life, the folks that you have influence with, the people that encounter you, uh, whether you like it or not, or you'll agree to it, there are people who get their cues from you. Amen by myself. <laughs> They follow your lead. Uh, they look to you. They watch what you do. They respond like you respond. Many people, and you don't know this, mimic you. If they see you doing well, they do well. If they see you having a good day, they have a good day. If they see you in the dumps, they follow you to the dumps. And many times we don't realize the influence that we have on other people's lives. Even if it's just coring potatoes, you've got influence. A man by myself. And, 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 and you gotta get it, you, you have to get it because folks will follow you. And, 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 and I see now that the word of God, the, 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 the word of God is this huge tool that if we would utilize it, it would simply change our Lives. It would change. I love first. I, I love things that, that happen first. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Jesus starts his public ministry in Matthew chapter number five and the first words out of his mouth, the first words out of his mouth, blessed, happy, fortunate are they who are poor in spirit. Those folks who recognize their need for God for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you walk around here thinking that you've seen your last blessing or you've experienced your last miracle or you don't need nothing else from God, then you're not going to find anything else. But for those of us who have decided that, look, I can't make it without him. 
I got to have him. If I don't get a latte, I need him. Amen. When you, when you make that decision, the Bible says the kingdom is all yours. That's the first word out of Jesus' mouth. And since it was the first word, I think it's pretty important. Well, when you look at the man of God, who God said, these are not my words. God says, he's the man after my own heart. He's a, he's, he's a guy that pursues my own heart. David, the little shepherd boy that turned into the king, God says, he's a man after my own heart. When you look at the first words he pens in the book of Psalms, which is the book of Psalms, the song book in the Bible. Y'all was singing here several minutes ago and, and, and you got caught up there. I didn't think you were going to end. I'm like, they, they going to sing till the end. They just don't. <laughs> Amen by myself. Anyway, <laughs> you, you just kept working that thing. You, 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 you. Singing does something, but don't ever get singing confused with worship. Singing leads to worship, but singing ain't worship. I know I cut a verb right there, but just go with me, all right? It, it, it's, it's not worship. It, it isn't worship. When you look at the beginning, the first in the Bible, Abraham's the first guy to be mentioned to worship. He says, stay here while the boy and I go yonder to worship. First time ever mentioned about worship. And in that text, in that text in Genesis 22, he never says anything about a song. There's nothing in there about it. So when people tell you that singing is worship, they're mistaken. Singing can put your heart and your attitude in the spirit of worship, but that is not worship. Worship is when you decide that you're going to do in your singing, you're going to love on God. You're going to adore him. You're going to obey him. You're going to listen. Oh, I feel like preaching tonight. You're going to listen to him. You're going to follow him. That's worship. That's what worship is. And, 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 and in the songbook that David creates, he gives us a bunch of songs that we could worship God. But in the very first psalm, the very first song, he says something that's pretty amazing and I think you and I ought to pay attention to it. I think you and I, matter of fact, if it's not highlighted in your Bible, it ought to be highlighted. And y'all some y'all from the jet age, y'all are from the 21st century. Most of you don't carry a Bible, you carry an iPhone or some type of smartphone and look at you, your Bible's on your phone. I heard the other day that you can highlight on your phone. If you don't know it, you better get it because you can highlight. You, you, <laughs> you, you, you should highlight Psalm 1. You should highlight Psalm 1 verses 1, 2, and 3 because there's something that you should refer to the rest of your life. This should not be something that you talk about one time. It should not be something that you just deal with once, but you should go back to this, maybe even when you find yourself struggling. Maybe when you, you, you're struggling to hear from God, or maybe you're struggling to get an answer, or maybe you're just struggling in life, you might wanna go back and read Psalm 1. Verses one, two, and three. I'm not gonna read the entire, I'm just gonna read those first verses and I'm gonna try to talk from this tonight. And, and I, don't, I don't wanna hold you long, but we're gonna be led by the Spirit here just a minute, all right? <laughs> oh, the joys, some, some translations say, oh, how blessed or fortunate. Oh, the joys of those who don't follow the advice of the wicked or stand around 
with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating in it day and night. They're like trees planted along the river bank, bearing their fruit in season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Oh, the joys, oh, 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 the joys of those who don't follow the advice of the wicked. Oh, the joy, how fortunate, how happy you are if you can stop listening to wicked people. If you could stop taking advice from folks that don't know God, Lord have mercy. <laughs> it, 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 it's difficult. Because nowadays in a, in, a, in a world where we are all, most of us, not all, but most of us have access to the information highway, we get information readily at our fingertips. And sometimes we take information from people, advice from folk who don't know God. And here, here the songwriter, David, he says, oh, the joy, how fortunate you could be, how happy you would be if you don't take advice from the wicked. If you don't take advice from people that don't know what they're talking about. I have, a, I have an uncle, his name is Ned, Uncle Ned. Uncle Ned is, uh, he's, he's like a pain in my behind. He, uh, a man by myself, he just, <laughs> He, 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 he's a mess, he, he's a mess. He shows up at family functions and every time he shows up, he comes with his own cup. He has a cup in his hand and nobody has ever figured out what's in his cup. But he sips on it as he's at all of our family functions and, and, uh, and, and Ned, Ned, Ned has not held down a job since I've known him. He has not been married since I've known him. He, 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 I, don't, I don't know what he does. I, I can't even, I don't know how he has income. I don't know how he lives, but sometime, somehow he sustains himself. But every time he gets around our family, he wants to offer advice to people and try to tell them how to hold down a job. Ned, you ain't had no job. How you gonna try to tell somebody how to hold down a job? And then he gathers, he gathers the nieces and the nephews and he try to tell them about marriage and how to, how to keep, Ned, you ain't never been married. How you gonna tell somebody about a marriage and I ain't never seen you with, matter of fact, do anybody like you? Do any, I mean, I don't, I don't even know. But, but he's always given advice. He's steadily given ad, 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 ad advice. And, and, and I, I gathered all my, my nieces and nephews said, listen, don't you listen to Uncle Ned. Don't you, don't you pay no attention. He don't, he don't have no sense whatsoever. When he comes around, just be nice and polite. Nod your head, but don't you listen to anything he said. He, he don't know God, he don't know what he's doing, he crazy. And one of the nephews told me a couple of weeks ago, Uncle Ned said that you're one of the smartest men on earth and, and that we should really pay attention to you. I said, well, you should listen to what Uncle Ned said there. <laughs> Uncle Ned, he know what he's talking about right there. But, but, but the Bible, the Bible says, don't take advice from the wicked. Don't, don't, don't take advice from people that don't know what they're talking about. And then it says, don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't take your lead from people who are sinners. Now, I know this becomes very, very difficult for us because we're in a society where now everybody wants to uh, agree with folks and want to get along. But the Bible says if you want to be happy and you want to be fortunate, you can't take the lead from sinners. Sinners will lead you in the wrong 
direction. Now, we're all sinners saved by grace, but there are people who are pursuing God, folks who are going after God. Maybe they haven't found him yet, but they're in pursuit of him. It's okay to be in that company and to follow that lead, but folks who have ignored God, that's not who you want to follow. That's not who you want to get your advice from. That's not who you're going to follow. And then it says something. No, stand in the way of scorners, of scorners. People who actually go against the power of God. Mockers is an interpretation in one of the scriptures, one of the translations. Folks, I don't mean any harm, and I'm not trying to throw any stones, but you should never pay any attention to people who mock the power of God. The power of God is real. The word of God is real. The spirit of God is real. And if you ever want to find yourself in a tragic situation, mock the power of God. Don't, don't, don't play with God like that. And the Bible says right here that we should not, we should not take advice from the wicked. We should not follow the lead of sinners, nor should we stand in the way of scorners, people who mock the power of God. But it says this thing here, but our delight should be in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord is the word of God. Our delight should be in the word of God. Folks, I don't mean any harm. You need to find pleasure in God's word. You, 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 you need to find an appetite for God's word. You, you, you need to get to the place where you know his word will be beneficial to you. You know his word will be a blessing to you. Just simply reading it will be a blessing. Some people say, well, what do I need to do? Do I need to study it? There's four ways you can get God's word in you. You can just simply read it. Reading God's word will bless you. Yes, you can study it, scripture upon scripture, and go in depth, that's fine. But then you can sit like you're doing tonight and have it taught to you. Or the best way is to have it preached to you. The proclamation of God's gospel. In that law, in that word, they meditate day and night. I don't want to throw a curve to you, but I do want to give some decency and some clarity to the text. It says in that word, they meditate. They mull over. They put it in their spirit. They recite it. They memorize it. They regurgitate it. Folks, I don't mean any harm, but just listening to the word, reading the word, hearing it preached or taught, studying the word, and then just walking away from it won't do us any good. We got to meditate in it. We got to mull over it. We need to take a verse and just stick with it for a day or two, maybe even a week. We need to take God's word and put it in our spirit and, and memorize it so that, that when we get into situations in life, rather than an angry response coming out of you, his word will come out of you. I wish I had help in here. We, we need to have it so deeply embedded in us that when people question us, they don't hear from us, they hear from God's word. In his word, they meditated day and night. They memorized, they, they put it in their spirit. They, they, they actually put it into conversations. They made sure that during the day they would weave God's word into their conversation. 
They'd make sure that there would be some opportunity for them to recite God's word in their daily activity. Unbelievable. Why would people want to do that? Why, why, why would folks want to get to that place? It's found in the word. It, it's found in the word. The same songwriter says in, in the 119th Psalm, the 119th division of Psalm, in the songbook, he says, your word is like a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I, I'm, I'm in your word because you're gonna give me the next step to take. When, when this Psalm was written, folks, they didn't, they didn't have electricity like we do now. They didn't have street lights. They didn't, they didn't have all the stuff we have in the big city. And so when you went out at night, what they would do is they'd strap a candle to your ankle. And the candle would give you enough light for the next step. So David says, your word is so good to me, it's like a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It shows me where to make the next step. Good God Almighty. When you don't have God's word, you don't know what your next step gonna be. Can't get no witness in here. people and especially folks your age talking about I don't know what I'm going to do I, do, I don't know what the next step is I don't know what, 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 what career to select I don't, I don't know which way to go should I take this job or should I take get in the word <laughs> are you hearing me yeah. so, somebody say what, what the word going to do the way they going to tell me I'm trying to figure out how it works for IBM or Intel how they going to tell me what to do I dare you. I double dog dare you. Went old school on you. The word will show you which one not to take and it has nothing to do with how much money. Good God, I feel preach up in here. You don't need a job. You don't need a job to live off of. God has already proven since 2008 with everybody losing their job, you don't need money to live. You need a God to live. And if you're in his word, his word will take care of you. I got, I got folks in our church that haven't had a, a job, can't find a job, can't buy a vow, can't do nothing, can't get anything for three and a half, four years. And yet God has sustained them. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't them. It wasn't this economy. It was the word. The, the word gives us more than we, we could ever imagine. Isaiah, Isaiah puts it to us plainly. In, in, in chapter number one, he says, your sins are, are, are crimson and they're red. Verse number 18, they're, 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 they're messed up. But come, the Lord wants to reason with you. He wants to sit down and though they're, they're red like crimson, he wants to make them white as snow. And then what he says then in verse number 19 blows my mind. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. You will do well if you will allow God to minister to you. Amen. I watch too many people suffer. I watch too many people go through because they won't let the word minister to them. They're looking for answers on the internet. They're looking for answers from other people. They're taking advice from Ned. (laughs) 
And then they wonder why their lives are messed up and why they're in so much trouble. Now I want to caution you before I, I give you the benefits of this. Some people think that God's word is like a lucky rabbit's foot or it allows you to sit in the safety zone and you don't ever have any issues. Folks, that's not what I'm saying. The Bible has already taught us and I'll, I'll reiterate this at the end tonight. Yea, everybody that chooses to live godly will be persecuted. 2 Timothy 3.12. John 16.33. Yes, in this life, you will have sorrow, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Folks, you don't, you don't get no free pass because you get in the word. You actually get a free map. Shut the front door. It's like a GPS. It's like a navigation system. It helps you lead yourself through many, many challenges, many craziness. That's why I don't like it when people tell you that, man, I'm, I'm living for God and I've never had any challenges. I wanna know if you're really living for him. Because those of us who live for him, we're persecuted every day. But we don't give up. We don't give in. And we find answers in the word of God, in his word, in his word. If you're in his word, the Bible teaches us in the book of Isaiah, I, God, I will keep you in perfect peace. They whose mind is stayed on me. You're tripping, you're nervous, you're worrying. You must don't have your mind on him. Yeah, I'll keep you in perfect peace. The Apostle Paul references that text from Isaiah when he writes the Philippians church in, in chapter number four, verses six, seven, and eight. He says, don't you be anxious for anything, but everything by prayer and supplication. Make your request known unto God and the God of peace will guard your heart and your mind. Good God Almighty. Yeah, it's in the word. See what we miss when we're not in the word? Matter of fact, you, you would even come to find out from the great songwriter that if you're in the word, weeping only lasts for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Yeah, simply by being in the word. I, I don't know how long your night time, night is a season, it's not hours, it's a season. I don't know how long your night will be, but I know this one thing, when you hear the birds chirping, you smell the coffee brewing and the bacon sizzling. It's morning time. Can I get a witness in here somewhere? And so God says in, in, in this particular text, in, in, in Psalm 1, he says, listen, listen folks, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, the word of God, doth he meditate day and night. And then he gives four guarantees that you're not gonna find in any service plan, you're not gonna find in anything here on earth. 
He gives four gifts. If you meditate on God's word, if you delight yourself in that word, he gives you four guarantees. He says, number one, you shall be like a tree planted by the river edge. You know what that means? He says, I promise you that no matter what you go through, you will have a life of irrigation. You will not be looking for something to drink. I will quench your thirst. That's what he says. People right now are parched. People right now are trying to find answers and they're looking in the wrong place. If they get into the word, God would quench their thirst. A tree planted by the river's edge means that it doesn't have to look for water. It always finds it. Yeah. And what's so amazing about a tree that even if a tree would die at the scent of water, it'll spring roots again. You didn't know that, did you? Check this out, folks. If you are dead, <laughs> and you're planted by the river's edge at the scent of water, you spring root again. God promises that to people who are in the word of God. Yeah. He says you'll be like a tree planted by the river's edge. Now watch this and you'll bring forth your fruit in season. Too many people are complaining because they say, uh, I'm not doing well right now. It might not be your season. He says, when you're in the word, you're gonna always have a life of productivity. You will bring forth your fruit in season. Folks, I don't know if you know this or not, but when a tree doesn't have fruit on it and sometimes it looks barren, I don't know if you know this or not, when winter comes and there's no fruit on the trees and there are no leaves on the trees, many people think that the tree is dormant and dead. I found out from an ecologist and, and, and people who study trees, it's not dead. In the dormant season, it's strengthening its roots. You ain't hearing me. <laughs> When you think you're not being productive, when you think you're not producing fruit, God is strengthening your roots. He's making sure that when the storm comes, you don't get uprooted. I've, I've watched too many people, and, and many of them have been young, saying, I've never accomplished anything. I don't have a testimony. Nothing's ever happened. I can't talk to other people. Stop it. God is strengthening your roots. So that when hard times come, you won't get uprooted. God promises you that if you're in the word, when your season comes, you're gonna have fruit. Nobody will look at you and you'll be dormant. And then he says something else. He says your leaves will never wither. Your leaves will never dry. This, is, this may not mean anything to you because you know, you got most of your life in front of you. But for those of us who've been through hell, high water, tough times, craziness, and we thought that maybe we weren't going to make it, God promises that if we're in the word, no matter how hard your season, your leaves will not shrink and wither. I'm going to make sure that you always have something to show for what you've done. How cool is that? 
God says, if you're in the word, you don't have to ever worry about running out. I I, I travel the country. Uh, I don't just go to Christian venues. I've been asked to speak at camps and uh, colleges and universities and always run into someone who's dry. They have nothing. They're parched. And I, I immediately look at them and say, wow, you're not in the word. Because you could have been through hell, high water, tough times. If you were in the word, you wouldn't be dry. Matter of fact, if you're in the word, you could walk through hell with gasoline draws on and come out not smelling like smoke. Not because you, but because of his word. And then he says something that most people misinterpret, but tonight I want to be straight with y'all. He says, and whatever you do, whatever you decide to do, it's going to prosper. Whatever you put your hands to do because you're in the word, it's going to prosper. I've watched too many people misinterpret this verse. I've watched too many people say, oh, this is cool. I don't have to worry about anything. It's just going to all work out. That's not what it means. In the Hebrew here, what he says here is, no matter what happens in your life, God is going to give you the ability to navigate it and come out with victory. But it doesn't mean that you're not going to go through anything. And this is where I have to pause. Because I live in a world right now. I live in a country right now. I'm in a city. And sometimes even in my church. I got a bunch of punks. I have a bunch of wusses. People who can't go through nothing. People who whine because they have hard times. Thinking that just because we were born in America, we deserve to have it easy. That ain't what the Bible says. Two things we need to come to grips with right now. Life is hard and life is not fair. If life was fair, we'd all start at the same starting line. We'd all get what everyone gets. Life is not fair. Where in the Bible did it say life would be fair? (laughs) It says God is just. Didn't say it was fair. You know what would be fair? If God showed up tonight, somebody pick a number, pick a number. 27, did I hear 27? What did you say? Seven. The number of perfection, ooh. Seven. God shows up tonight, he walks in here, and he says, I want to be fair. You all get a check for $7 million. That's fair. Y'all know that ain't gonna happen. Because life's not fair, but he is just. He gives us what we need. Nobody said life was fair. And then life is hard. I just quoted for you scriptures 
2 Timothy 3.12, St. John, John, Gospel of John 16.33, I'll give you one more. Psalm 34.19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the troubles of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. That's what prosper means. Prosper means that God is going to give you the ability to navigate tough times and you will come out victorious. That does not mean that you won't have tragedy. That does not mean that somebody in your life won't die before their time. That does not mean that cancer won't strike your family. That does not mean that you won't have an accident and you wonder why it happened. Bad stuff happens to good people. But when you're in God, it doesn't take you out. You don't lose your faith because of it. You don't turn around, you don't give up on God just because you go through ugly times. Jesus is getting ready to leave and he pulls Peter to the side and he says, Peter, I've prayed for you. So when you are converted, strengthen your brother. When you fall out, when you blow it, come back. What did you pray for me? Let me tell you, Peter, what I prayed for you. The devil has wanted to grind you to powder. The devil has wanted to sift you like wheat. The devil has wanted to kick your butt. But I didn't pray that the devil don't get you. I didn't pray that the devil don't bother you. I didn't pray that he doesn't get his hands on you. What I prayed for is that your faith fails not. I don't mean any harm, and I'm not trying to throw any stones. I, God forbid you go through anything. But in this life, it's not fair, it's hard. You may have hell to pay, but my prayer for you tonight, because you're in the word, is that your faith doesn't fail. That no matter what you go through, that no matter how difficult it is, that you hang on to God that he will give you victory, that you will prosper in everything you do. That's my prayer. Not that you don't have trouble. Not that you don't have hard times. Not that the devil doesn't bother you. Because when he does, it proves who your faith is in. Yeah. Whatever you do, it will prosper. Whatever you do, God will give you victory. Doesn't mean that you won't go through. Doesn't mean that it won't be difficult. It does not mean that some days you may have to stand flat-footed with tears in your eyes and say, for God I live and for God I'll die. Yeah. And the only way it's made possible because we're in the word. Because we're using the tool that God gave us. That we are actually navigating life because of his word. Not because of our intellect. Not because of our riches. Not because of our strength or our power. But because of his word. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the things that we will have to go through and have to suffer. But the Lord, God Almighty, Jehovah Jireh, he will 
deliver us from them all. He will see us through. He will make ways out of no way. He will strengthen your back. He will give you hope for tomorrow. He will strengthen your hands. He will raise your bowed down head. He will put a smile on your face. He will put pep in your step. He will help you get through. He will. He'll do it. And he'll do it because you did not take your cues from the wicked. You did not follow the lead of sinners. And you did not get on the side of mockers. But you delighted in the Lord, in the word of God. You meditated on it day and night. I dare you. Old school, I double dog dare you. (laughs) To get a new appetite for God's word. Read it. Study it. Regurgitate it. Meditate on it. Weave it into your conversations. Share it with your friends. Give it to your neighbors. Make sure your co-workers hear you proclaim it. Make sure your family watches you live it. I dare you. It'll change everything. Let's pray. God, we need more of your word. We need to uh, have an appetite and a heart for it. God, we need to meditate on it, regurgitate it. We need to weave it into our conversations. God, we need to memorize it, put it in our heart, put it in our spirit. And then God, let us share it with everyone we come in contact with. Most of all, God, let us live it. Let it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And God, for those of us in here right now who are struggling, going through, finding it difficult, would you remind us of the tool you've given us, your word? Show us how to use it. Show us how to operate it. And God, let us proclaim it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.